Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Hulkcast. Um, we couldn't get enough, really, of talking about the matches coming up. So we've invited a special guest on. John McKenzie, a Leeds United fan, is going to be previewing the Leeds United game this Friday ahead of it. So, yeah, John, welcome back to the Hulkcast. I know you've been on a few times and it's always good to have, you know, any excuse to get someone interesting on like yourself, right? Yeah, flatter will get you nowhere. Oh, hopefully it'll get us three points, mate. Um, that's what I'm <laughs> hoping for. But, yeah. We head into an interesting match today. Um, you know, the mighty leads, dirty leads, whatever you call them, they're the team that my Villa will be facing this week. So what is the current identity of this Leeds team, John? So at the moment, we have pretty solid in terms of our um, in terms of our uh, tactics and lineup. So we've been lining up in a 4-2-3-1. Um, very standard. It's the same as what we did all of last season as well under Gary Monk. And to be honest with you, it's hard to say what what it is that determines whether or not this team is going to be winning or losing. Um, obviously, the last time we spoke, I was a lot more positive than I am now. Um, at that point, we were pushing for the top of the table. Um, and there was a, a fairly long period where we were top of the table for quite a, quite a while. And we were looking like we were going to run away with it. But since then, we just plummeted. Um, in many respects, it, nothing's changed. We're still playing the same sort of team. There's a few movements here and there in the in the three of the four two three one. Um, we're still rotating the two uh, central midfielders in the two, um, but it, it it really baffles me, to be honest, to to try and get to the bottom of what what it is that's going wrong. Now we've got um, we've had Pierre Michel Lasaga on loan from Hamburg in Germany and he kind of came and, and made a bit of a difference at the start, but I was always being someone who watches a fair amount of German football. I was always a little bit apprehensive about him because he is one of those sort of lumpen strikers who can, can produce decent form, uh, but can also uh, drop off quite quickly as well. And he seems as though he's done that at the moment. And now there's reports that he's a little bit unhappy. So yeah, we play a fairly standard 43, one game. We don't have particularly adventurous wing backs, uh, which I think slows us down in, in attacking phases. Um, but we do have a couple of players who are worthy of keeping an eye on. And and I think that's the difference between us winning and losing at the moment is whether or not those players actually turn up on the day. So I suspect, I mean, I don't want to get into predictions already, but I suspect you guys may uh, enjoy playing against us from that, from that side of things. So what's the recent story of Leeds being then? Because as we said last time we spoke, it was... I think it was the downer was more on Villa when we spoke. We just beat Barnsley, things were looking up, but Leeds were one of the teams at the upper echelons of the table. Um, there was very, very positive movements, especially with Yamanla Saga. And it seems to be that kind of, and I say this with you know all respect, that typical Leeds meltdown, it seems to have come a tiny bit early this season. Is, would it be correct in saying that at all? Yeah, I don't know whether or not I would call it a meltdown so much as I think maybe a lack of creativity I think we're very very we're just very very standard you know we we line up with a back four we're not very adventurous as I've said in the wing back area the full back areas um, we have a, generally a fairly solid double pivot in the two um, and then it, it it just very much depends we have three players who play in in the in the midfield area in the sort of attacking midfield area um, we have Samuel Saiz a Spaniard who came across uh, this this summer from a, a, a I think it's a Segunda um, or a second uh, La Liga side called Huesca. And he's a brilliant little player, but he is very little. You might have seen that um, clip on Twitter that was going around where 
can't remember who it was against. Who would it have been against? Um, potentially Brentford, but he um, st- stands up to one of their defenders who's a full head taller than them. Uh, and the, the defender sort of puts his hand to his head and looks as though he's saying, you know, where are you? I can't see you. You're so small. Um, so that's a pre- pretty much that's pretty much him. He's a, he's a very classy player, He's a, but he's very slight. He's very small. Um, and then we have Pablo Hernandez, who is very, very similar, uh, maybe a little little less um, explosive than Saez, um, but obviously a, a very class player, especially for the championship. Those two, uh, though, ha- can can fade out of games if they are bullied off the ball a little bit. And then next to them, we have um, Gianni, um, who is... Uh, sorry, sorry, Gianni Alioski, who is, um, I guess, a bit more... I say he's got a little bit more physicality to him, but again, he's a he's a wide player. He's very explosive. He's very direct. He likes to try and take on players. Um, and I think once a combination of things have happened, one of one of those things is that the the, the league is obviously, as you know, very physical, and sometimes uh, those three can can be bullied out of the game. The other thing is, I think the teams have figured them out to a certain extent. Um, I think Alioski is very, very easy to mark if you double up on him. So I think teams have been doing that, particularly when you when you think about the fact that our wing backs aren't getting forward very much. It it makes it a lot easier to just kind of uh, stifle any sort of attacks on the right. That's where he plays. Um, and yeah, I think it's just a combination of those two things. And then when when your striker is not producing in the same way that he has been. It, it just means that the whole forward movement um, is, is lost a little bit. So I don't think I would call it, um, I wouldn't call it necessarily a, necessarily a meltdown because I don't think it's so much a psychological thing. I think it's more, we're actually very, very easy to read. We're very, very easy to break down and we're very, very easy to set up against. So I think that's how I'd approach it. It seems strange that you say that actually coming from a Villa perspective, because our issues seem to have been when we've overcomplicated the game. Um, when we've went back to some you know, really simple football, almost direct Route 1 stuff um, to give Steve Bruce you know, you know, all, all manner of credit that we can give him. But it seems that Villa's issues have been, I say, fixed. They've been resolved by simply playing simple football and limiting rotation. Whereas from your perspective, your team has stumbled or struggled because... They have become easy to figure out, so I'm not sure when Villa's time will come. Because surely, if you're going to keep things simple like we are, you do get figured out. Teams get your number, and especially when we've got so much weaknesses. I mean, I'm sure that you'll know that Leeds would look to exploit uh, Chris Samba, for instance, at the back, or Alan Hutton. There's many players that Leeds or other teams should be smart enough to take advantage of. So that worries me a bit to see from the other side where a team has found themselves, you know, found out. So yeah, uh, from a Villa perspective, that does worry me. Yeah, no. What I would say about Villa is is that you do have a mixture of creative players, but also experienced players. I mean, you look at you look at you look at your back line. I mean, you played last week, and you have uh, Taylor Chester, Yedinak, and and Hutton there. It's a very experienced. Um, it's a very experienced back line. You've got Glenn Whelan in in midfield, but then you've got players like Albert Adona, uh, Adoma playing, and and Snodgrass as well. And I think. What we what we lack is that is that back backbone that that sort of experience mixture of experience but also creativity and excitement going forward. So I think in that regard, yeah, you've, we we may well try and take on on those players that you've mentioned, but 
uh, I think you've probably got enough to to be able to manage the game p- potentially a little better than than we. So do. obviously, it is on Friday nights on Sky. It's at your place, Ellen Road. What when Villa fans are watching this? Because uh, it'll be one of the first matches that many people can watch for a while due to it being on Sky and not you know because the international audiences can watch in um, via the web platforms when it's not televised. But this will be televised. So when you know there's a load of people watching, there's going to be loads of Villa fans tuning in. Who on Leeds should they be looking out for as the danger man? Yeah, like I said, I think probably our danger man at the moment is Samuel Saiz. Um, he generally tends to be that just that little spark of creativity that you often need to, to break down oppositions. Pablo Hernandez is always great to watch. He's always... The, the guy is... He re- reads the game incredibly well. Everything good that we have comes through him. Um, but often he's sort of held back a little bit by the fact that the players around him aren't quite on, on the same wavelength, also quite, aren't quite on the same level. So I would say watch out for Saez. Um And then I suppose we've got um, at the back, if you're wanting to talk about the back players, we've got Pontus Janssen. Um, he's not been good this season particularly. He's been he's, he's certainly missed the presence of Carl Bartley at centre-back next to him. But he's always worthy worthy of a watch because you never know what he's going to do. Um, he, he's always got a few funny things up his sleeve and he can get quite riled up and try and get the crowd sh- sh- shouting along. So, yeah, they, those would be the two players that I would say watch, watch out for. And would there be a weak link in this lead side if uh, Villa are on the break with Adoma surging with the ball and Snodgrass looking to cut in? We have inverted wingers, so we're always playing them cutting in. Would there be a player that uh, will be the downfall of your side if he has a bad day? Yeah, Liam Cooper that we've got at centre-back at the moment is probably that player. Now, he is the club captain, but he he is not the best centre-back that I've ever seen at Leeds. Ideally, I think we would have brought in another centre-back. We've had Matthew Pennington on loan from Everton, but he's been injured for long stretches and actually has sort of looked on and off while he's been when he's been back. Um but Liam Cooper always has a couple of mistakes in him. Um, he's a good header of the ball, but he can be a little bit lax in terms of his speed. Uh, and also his positioning is sometimes a bit suspect. So I think if, if Villa, when Villa are going forward, I'm I'm fairly certain that they will attack that side. He's got um, Gaetano Berardi next to him as well on the left. So they're, they're the two left-sided players on the back four. Uh, and I think Berardi's... <clears throat> Berardi's a little bit weak as well for me. So I think any danger that you have will be coming down your right-hand side, our left. Oh, fair enough. Uh, I mean, you mentioned club captains and that kind of not performing to their abilities. And we've had plenty of experience with that, mate. You know, Gabby O'Bonnell-Hall, Nicky Richards. Uh, I think we've had enough of a club captain. So, yeah, <laughs> any chance to exploit a club captain underperforming maybe right up our street and a, a bit of just desserts for us on our side. But yeah, we'll move it over to a Villa perspective, mate. Last We haven't spoken about Villa in a while, me and you. Um, it has been since we kind of spoke about the whole scout, scope of the championship and things have wildly changed on a like, tectonic scale since then, except with, you know, Cardiff and Leeds kind of, you know, Cardiff and Wolves even being up there. What is the danger, man, in this Villa team for you as an outsider? I think for me... Yeah, Alfred Adoma. Albert, Albert Adoma, Adoma, yeah. Get his, get his name right. I think he's an exciting player. I see he got a couple of goals for you last yeah. week. Um, he's the sort of player who I think eats up the championship. So 
as I've said as well, if we're if we're worried about our left hand side, your right hand side, he's going to be given space uh, in between the centre back and the and the full back, um, as I've said. So I would be fairly nervous about about him going forward. Um, other than that, I guess I I haven't watched him enough to know, but Jack Grealish always worries me because he can always produce something from from anything, and I think if this game become stodgy which i actually think it might with with two teams playing pretty much the same system um i worry that we'll we'll sort of we've been hanging on in games a little bit um and we can always be undone by a, by a, a moment of brilliance so i guess i would i would have my eye on on jack grealish um but with the caveat that i haven't watched him as much as i would have liked to this season yeah he hasn't really in a sense he hasn't been able to feature it for us as much as I'd have liked to even watched him. He, he was out with an injury for the first part, and he's only recently come back. But he's found himself kind of pushed to the sidelines by Josh Anama, um, the hot shot from Tottenham, big future for him, and uh, he's a player I'd hope we could sign if we go up. But yeah, it's still the same role, still that number ten role. So I guess um, the danger is always going to be in the hole behind the striker. The striker being Keenan Davis, of course, if he's not gassed from constantly running around the pitch, his work rate of a of a complete madman, to be honest, um, constantly running, not no, never staying still. So, yeah, uh, big worry there. But Leeds, we'll, we'll revert back to Leeds because um, their their form has seemed quite, quite strange recently. And um, I believe in, over the last 10 games, they kind of lost, it was either lost seven, they've lost quite a few of their last few games. So when we head into the Friday, do you expect Leeds to kind of turn it around or will will it be maybe a business as usual type thing where uh, it might not be the result you wanted? Yeah, we had a run of, I mean, it was about, I think it was about seven or eight games lost out of eight or nine. So we'd only won one in a very long time. But in the last three games, we we beat Barnsley last weekend. Um, Midweek, we lost to Wolves, but everyone loses to Wolves, right? And then the weekend before that, we beat Middlesbrough. So the the Gary Monk derby, we, we came out winners of that. So they very much turned the form around I think the corner's been turned so I yeah I'm, I'm hoping that Leeds will give a good account of themselves but I think you know you guys have got a lot of quality you've got depth on the bench as well one of the problems with with us is we don't really have we don't really have anything coming off the bench you, 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 we have our strongest team out the only thing we can really do is bring on a different central midfielder which doesn't really change the game for us that much I mean obviously if, if we're being overrun in the midfield areas uh, one of the double pivot being changed up will probably uh, slow things down, but it's not it's not that sort of spark of, of a of a of a substitution area really. So my my worry would be that you know if we're if we're looking a little bit clueless, if things are flat and we're looking clueless, I don't really expect a, a substitution to really change that much up. Um, so I would I would I would be interested to see whether or not the game stays fairly even until sort of 60 70 minutes and then uh, we'll see what the managers do and i think if if it reaches that point i think you'll you'll definitely be the favorites to snatch something uh yeah it's a really important game for both teams i feel i mean villa i don't want to sound all high and mighty now because it isn't a usual position for me as a villa fan to go oh we can afford to drop three points but in this situation, Villa six points clear in the playoff positions of uh, dropping out the playoff position. Sorry, I mean free losing those three points, not picking up any points, wouldn't be the the worst thing in the world. It wouldn't be 
a season breaker. Whereas I feel, from my perspective, that Leeds might have the impetus of, you know, this three points gets their season back on track. Yeah, I think that's that's certainly true. And I think three points and, and results around us going our way uh, will mean that we sneak back into the top uh, six, which I think is always important. It's always good to know that you were there and thereabouts, especially when in the last 10 games, as you said, pretty much we've just plummeted, um, gone from first right the way down to sort of the mid-table. Um, but at the moment, we're at, we're at eighth, which is where I predicted we would finish at the end of the season. So it would be nice to see us improve on that on that position. But yeah, as you say, it's it's all very very tight down there. You you've got a little bit of a boost in 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 fourth place uh, with with six points to play with. Uh, although I noticed that Derby Derby County do have a game in hand, so uh, they could potentially overtake you. I think if they if they win big. Uh, with the the game in hand, but either way, it's very comfortable for you. You'll be uh, comfortably ahead of seventh place, wh- whatever happens. Um, but you know, you you guys should be thinking about, I think, kicking on, trying to uh, break into that top two. Uh, it's a very, it's still. I know we said it last time that you know one of the reasons why this season is quite exciting is because there doesn't really appear to be any clear favourites in the way that there usually is. There's none of the teams really have gone down of of being comfortably good. Um, and it's it's made it quite it's made it quite an interesting um, season with with Sheffield United being the form side, uh, Cardiff City sort of being fairly impressive, much as it pains me to say it. Uh, but then the other the other clubs around there, Bristol Cities, um, uh, I guess Middlesbrough have got an, enough quality there that you would hope that they would would push on. But they they are still coming to terms with with Gary Monk. I would say. You you should really be thinking about hitting those those top two places. You you would expect Sheffield United to fall away. Although I know we said that last season about uh, Brighton and Huddersfield, um, Cardiff City as well uh, have a have a stumble in them. So I think that whilst it would be great for us to to get the three points, and I think it'd be good for us to stay um, there and thereabouts in the in the playoff places. I think for for Villa, the loss would be more catastrophic, if that makes sense. Than it, well, catastrophic is too strong a word, but it would be more meaningful than it would be for us. Um, so, I actually think, despite the fact that you're comfortably in the in the top six, uh, the results maybe maybe a little bit more weighted towards. So it you seems guys. like we've got everything. Well, everything a stodgy game would need pressure, similar formations, and would you say similar managers last time? We met up to speak about this, the scale and scope of the championship. Um, I believe you spoke rather highly of Thomas Christensen, the Leeds United manager. Has your opinion of him changed over the last, you know, the bad run of form? Has it been affected by that? Yeah, as I keep saying, you know, it's, I find it very, very hard to come to terms with what Leeds United are at the moment. Um, simply because, you know, it's not, it's not that we are looking terrible and and losing a lot we we're we're fluctuating wildly one week we can look incredible and the next week we can look like we we don't we don't know what we're doing so for me reading reading the the whole scenario has been quite has been quite an interesting one now i think the biggest problem for leeds is not so much whatever the manager's doing as the fact that so many things have changed for us in such a short space of time the beginning of the season we got a new owner who's come in he's brought in a new director of football he's brought in seven or eight new players who are now starting 11 players he's brought in a new manager so 
he's brought back the stadium as well, which I think is quite is quite an important thing. So it feels as though, in many respects, I've I've really struggled uh, supporting Leeds this season, which I find very bizarre because, in many respects, it should be the the most positive season that we've had for a while. Um, but I think there's an element to which it's too much has changed too quickly. And I think, you know, in the past seasons, you know, you've brought in a couple of players. Maybe you've had a manager change, almost certainly, if you're Leeds. Um, but it still feels like it's the same Leeds. It's the same project. Even, you know, there's there's, there's attempts to kind of fix holes and 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 push, push forward in directions that are felt to be um, beneficial. But this season has felt a little bit like I'm watching a team that I don't really know anything about. Because simply because we brought in so many so many new players, we've lost a lot of uh, of the of the stars from last season as well, really. And so I I, I find it hard to kind of criticise Chris Christensen. I, I I still really don't get the sense that I know what he's about. He's playing the same system as I said before that Gary Monk played at the end of last season. We've got rid of one big bulky striker and play, and replaced him with another. We've got you know we've brought in. Uh, a couple of we've 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 plundered the the foreign markets because we've uh, because of our new director of football having all of these links in in various uh, leagues around Europe and so a lot of the players who've come in I don't feel as though you, you just don't have that connection I'm, I'm not saying that they're they're not good players but you don't feel as though you have that you don't have the same sort of um, nodes that you just latch onto when you know a player from other clubs and they come in and you and you you know what to expect you know how they're going to fit into the side and stuff I'm still very much at that stage where I'm still coming to terms with with what Leeds is at the moment even 19 games into the season so yeah for me it it feels as though I'm watching someone else play as Leeds United at the moment so um, I would say that's what that's very much my response to, to that question. Um, with respect to Christensen, I, again, I don't feel as though I know what he's what he is. I don't know whether or not he pr- prefers playing a different style of football, but he feels as though he needs to uh, build on what Monk's doing. Um, and he, he doesn't strike me as a particular... I, th- I think the polite players like him, et cetera, et cetera, but he doesn't strike me as a particularly charismatic individual. He's not the sort of manager who you expect to, to be able to take a team into a dressing room and give them a, a rollicking. Um, now that again, that's not necessarily an important thing, uh, but I think in the midst of a of a downward spiral, I think maybe a little bit more of that might be might be more beneficial. So, yeah, sorry, that's not much of an answer, um, but that's that's pretty much how I feel about Leeds and Thomas Christensen at the moment. Well, it's good to you know, it's always good to get those differing perspectives, and even if they don't turn out to be, you know, the answer maybe the interviewer wanted, it's good to just get that sense of you know that fan that fan instinct that what the fan thinks rather than the the quote-unquote press answer so john thank you very much for that and um, we're going to get into the meat of the championship you know just in a few seconds because i'd be amiss if i didn't ask you about anything going on in the championship while you're here but firstly could we get a prediction maybe of how you think the match will go yeah i think that you will win 2-1 um i think we may nick an early goal um, but then we will nick it very early on in the first half, and then you'll come back strongly, um, and we w- we won't have the character to see the game out. So I think that's uh, probably a negative thing. I should probably say Leeds are going to win, but yeah, I think you 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 have you really do have the form behind you. We're still 
whilst I said we've turned a corner, I think we're still vulnerable. Uh, and I think, yeah, you'll you'll come out 2-1 winners in the end. Well, John, I think the listeners, you know, the Villa fans listen to this podcast and who follow 7500 Holt and myself and all that, well, thank you for saying Villa win. <laughs> it's not often, you know, that we get myself and Danny when we're on the podcast. We don't, we, before Villa started winning, we didn't often predict a Villa win. So it's good to get someone from the opposition or, you know, this week's enemy to predict a Villa win. So thank you very much for that. And thank you for, you know, going in on Leeds so much and giving us a true insight into the team, despite, you know, what may have gone on this season. But the championship, which we're both situated in at the moment, is a really interesting league and perhaps one of the more interesting leagues in Europe. You know, we've got Man City running away with the title as as predicted in the Premier League. But in the Championship, it's an absolute madhouse. Uh, Wolves have succeeded where perhaps people would have thought they'd stumbled with so much you know, change over the uh, the summer. Sheffield United have come out of nowhere and sprung up that table. I say come out of nowhere. Alex Carston, who's one of the writers on my site, um, predicted they would do very well. Um, and But they're, they're, they're bossing it, uh, running up the Championship. But uh, on the other hand, Leeds, uh, Sunderland and Hull City, sorry, have fallen through the cracks when maybe we'd have thought they'd be challenging for the playoffs, who knows? But the Championship isn't what we thought it was, right? It is quite mad at the moment. Yeah, but is, is that not what they say about the uh, the Championship? It's it's an impossible league to predict. I think partly because there's so many games. Um and I mean, some of those games are played in really, really quick succession. You can have th- you can have three games in, in in the space of a week quite quite easily. Um, also, you know, there's you, you're traveling huge distances. You're 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 going one one week to to a small stadium of I don't know five thousand capacity at Burton Albion. The next week, you could be playing at one of the biggest stadiums. You can be playing I, I don't know. Bar- Ellen, Ellen Road, Road, you can say it. You can say yeah, exactly, um, which which is what upwards of thirty thousand at the moment, uh, depending on who's who's turning out. So, uh, I think I'm not entirely sure why the league is the way that it is, um, but I think there's there's a general consensus amongst fans around the UK that the, the championship is a great league. It is it is quality? There's enough. There's enough quality there for it to be fun to watch. Uh, but there's also, I think, a level of uh, of competitiveness that means that any team can beat any team on their day, even it turns out Sunderland uh, after the weekend. But um, yeah, it's how do you how do you read it? Now I think Wolves are probably the, clearly the, the the best side in this in this championship. My question is just how good are they? Um, like we've said, we've been through the, the clubs at the top half. We win. I'm I'm not entirely convinced how good, for example, Cardiff City actually actually are relative to maybe the bottom of the Premier League. Uh, I think Wolves, if they if they went up, wouldn't do as well as Huddersfield and Brighton and Newcastle have done. Um, so I think it may it may be simply the case that it's been a fallow period in terms of outright quality, uh, but we simply don't know. Um, it would be interesting to see what would happen if Sheffield United did go up. Um, but as I, as I mentioned before, I think the, the big, the big kicker here is the fact that the clubs that went down haven't, um, have, have had a lot to do, you know, Sunderland find themselves at the bottom of the table. Well, pretty much, I think until the, until last weekend. And that's, that's almost unheard of, but obviously there's huge structural problems there. Whole city, similar 
Um, obviously, they had massive problems in the, in their Premier League season, and it was incredible that Marco Silva managed to to keep them going for so long. And I think, in many respects, he probably just papered over the cracks. Um, but it, it makes a big difference, I think, when when those clubs who come down aren't performing particularly well it does become a little bit of a free-for-all at the top obviously with the the parachute payments coming into effect as well so it it will be interesting to see how this season pans out um i'm sorry i don't have more pro- profound reasons for for why it is that the, the the championship is so competitive at the moment um i think i mean obviously there is more money in in the league and what you see is with with teams like Leeds and wolves is a, a, an awareness that there are more markets out there to tap into. There are there are players out there that you can bring that you can bring into your club relatively cheaply, um, and with the pull of the, the Premier League um, there. So you, you you are seeing um, you are seeing players coming through the, the Championship who who are very different to what what you would have seen in the Championship in the past, and that's obviously going to be a good thing. And I think it will it will mean that the depth of the of the English divisions is probably better because. It won't be quite the case that clubs who go up into the into the Premier League will immediately come back down, and there will be a general raising of the quality across those two leagues. But I think that's, I mean, that's generally a um, a phenomenon that we're seeing across Europe. I know in the Bundesliga, for example, the the two uh, teams that were promoted, Hanover and Stuttgart, are both looking very, very good. Uh, and the same is true also in um, La Liga as well. Now, obviously, you've got teams like Girona who are obviously uh, bankrolled by uh, the Manchester City owners, so that's a, what I think may be happening as well. Is because because it's the easiest way to to own a Premier League football team now, and and La Liga and Bundesliga respectively, is to buy basically a club in the lower division and get it up. I think this is probably it probably adds to the 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 value of the of the league as well. So that would be my. Um, my hazarded guess at why things have been this way. It does feel this season that things are different. And as, as I said, it's, I think that's because the, the teams that went down haven't done particularly well. So maybe there's a bit of a levelling at the top. Where the championship is kind of gaining, I mean, we say Cardiff and Sheffield United and maybe Bristol, if, say, if they were to get promoted, we wouldn't know if they'd survive or how relative their strength is compared to the bottom half of the Premier League. But um, just for a moment, just to focus on the Premier League, because both our teams do have a chance of going up through playoffs or automatic promotion. They have, so far this season, in patches, certainly for both of us, have had form that says promotion. So if one of us or both of us happen to go up this season, you know, regardless of how unlikely both the both of that may be, um, survival in the Premier League next year doesn't seem as difficult as it may have been in other seasons, especially when we're looking at this season now, um, where we have, say, six or seven teams down the bottom end of the Premier League that seem to all be in dire straits of their own making. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I think I think I wouldn't necessarily agree that the quality at the bottom of the Premier League is worse than it's ever been. What I do think, though, is that the quality of the clubs going up is probably higher. And that quality is not necessarily a quality of personnel, but a quality of um, preparedness to accept the challenge that going into the Premier League has. And what we're seeing is we're seeing clubs like Huddersfield going up. And yeah, Huddersfield spent a fair amount of money for for who they were. But what Huddersfield have and what Brighton have and what Newcastle have is they have tactically astute managers who are aware of, of 
of the importance of building a system. And actually, it suited them perfectly well when they've gone into the the, the, the Premier League. David Wagner has been impressive. Chris Hewton has been impressive too. Uh, and Rafael Benitez, obviously, uh, goes without saying that he is a, a brilliant manager. What where where the where the clubs at the bottom of the table in the Premier League are struggling is in the fact precisely that they've struggled to get the same kind of manager, the same kind of systems. Um, now maybe that's unfair because it, it it could be the case that the way that football is going in the Premier League is changing, and I think you know that's shown at the top of the Premier the Premier League. Uh, Manchester City being eight points clear of Manchester United, I think, is indicative indicative of something. And that something is that Pep Guardiola's very, very carefully manicured positional play, where he painstakingly runs his players through um, all kinds of drills in order to get them automatically moving in the ways that he wants them, um, has finally borne fruit. Um, and there was a lot of naysayers last season who suspected that it would never do that. But what we're seeing now is we're seeing the we're seeing the benefit that that has. Um, Manchester United's uh, approach has been criticised uh, across the the season so far, precisely because you can't play low risk football anymore. Uh, you have to go out there and, uh, and do something at least at the top of the table. So I think what we what we're seeing is we're seeing a, a different way to approach the Premier League, and I think managers like David Wagner um, and Chris Hutton and uh, Benitez. Now, Benitez is, is probably a bit more of a reactive coach, but these guys realise the importance of a system. They realise the importance of being ultra prepared, taking taking into account all of the things that can change at fine margins. Whereas, if, if you look at the the managers who who are down at the bottom of the Premier League now, I just don't feel as though those those managers have the same sort of attitude for right or wrong. And 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 that's not to say that they don't care and they don't put a lot of effort into to preparing their teams. But when you see that you've got managers like like David Unsworth down there, you've got uh, David Moyes, um, Sam Bilic recently recently removed from his from his job. I think you know that there are there are difficulties to to, um, to comparing those managers with with those maybe system heavy managers who are in the in, in the middle of the table. Now, of course, there are there are personnel problems. I think Paul Clement is obviously a very, very smart manager. He's a very good coach and he has systems and he is trying to do something at Swansea. I think his his downfall has been that he hasn't had the players to work with. And I think that's unfortunate. But there is still this attitude in the Premier League that you can just get a fire saving manager in, in into a club and, and they'll stay up. And I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. Um Clubs have to think a lot more long term. They have to think about they have to think about um, not philosophy. I don't think philosophy is a particularly good word, but they need to think about character, what their what their club is trying to achieve, and they need to bring in managers and players who can reflect that. And there are too many clubs in the Premier League now who haven't realised how important that is. Everton are the classic case of that. Uh, Everton have fallen to pieces despite the fact that they've got great players because they haven't thought about what character they want their 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 teams to adopt on the pitch. They've ended up with about four or five number 10s. Um, they've got weaknesses in other areas of the field. They didn't manage to replace Lukaku. Uh, and that's a problem. You, can't, you, cannot, you cannot build Rome in a day, as the, as the, uh, the adage goes. Um, and so I think, for me, it feels as though there's a lot of uh, big clubs who have got, have got a lot of wood to clear out. It's, it's, not, 
it, it's I think it's not surprising that Everton are down there, that West Ham are down there, um, even Crystal Palace to a, to a certain extent. Although I think Roy Hodgson is astute enough again to, to instill a system in his in his team and get them uh, moving towards safety again. Whether or not he does that is a, another matter. So yeah, for me, I think what you want with your promoted teams from the Championship to have is to have that system which is drilled into the players on the way up through the championship table rather than arriving in the Premier League with no plan uh, and and then finding out the hard way that it's actually quite difficult to stay in the Premier League. Unfortunately, I feel like Villa might be the latter. Um, there doesn't see the system. We've been into this, so the systems seem a bit simple for both of our teams and are easily figured out, whereas we have, may have more creativity uh, it means naught almost if you are going against those well-drilled and well extreme fitness teams that we do see in the Premier League. But John, I'd really like to thank you for coming on to the podcast today. Um, before you we head off, would you like to tell the listeners where they can find you and find your yep, work? So the best place to find my stuff is on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter at John underscore McKenzie. And John is spelled without an H and McKenzie is spelled with an A between the M and the C. Um, so if you want to find my stuff, it's it's generally there. I spend most of my day uh, editing football content for a website called Real Sport. And you can find that website www.realsport101.com. Uh, and there's usually a couple of pieces from me up there most days as well. So have a have a gander over there. We cover a huge amount of, uh, of different football contexts. So hopefully there'll be something there for that will interest you. Well, again, thank you very much for coming on, John. I'll include a link to your Twitter uh, in the post with this po- podcast so uh, our, our listeners can follow you but yeah you're a good friend to the blog you're always happy to talk Leeds and always happy to talk to Championship and give us a bit of context about uh, Villa's performances in the wider scale of the varied Championship and you know the wild directions it can sometimes spin in so again thank you very much for coming on and uh, best of luck for the rest of the season I hope that uh, Villa and Leeds can find a way to somehow both go up this year um but yeah i'd rather that you don't get a start on that on friday mate mm-hmm. no thanks very much it's always a pleasure coming no on and i uh, catch you guys later hopefully you can leave us a review or any feedback you have and uh, we'll catch up on sunday after the leeds match thank you very much for listening goodbye